Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I am so thankful that you've joined us for this episode. Uh, we are in week number four of our series called Stay Positive, and uh, so if you've missed a couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to a couple of podcasts, but at the same time, you're okay to listen to this one and then go back because um, we're not. it's not a continuation of last week. Uh, it is a new topic within the series, but... Uh, um, I'd love for you to stay uh, focused on all of them as we go forward, but uh, whatever you want to do, please do so, and just glad you are listening. Um, and so if you are listening, we believe that you are listening for a reason and a purpose, and uh, my prayer as always is that God will show you what that is. Today I want to talk to you about a subject from a perspective that you may not have thought of before. I, I want to talk to you about the spiritual side of enthusiasm. You know, I want to be able to say I'm enthusiastic, and so I am going to say that. I am enthusiastic. Uh, in fact, I would argue that there are two different types of people in the world. There are those who let their environments influence their enthusiasm, and then there are those who let their enthusiasm influence their environments. There are those who let what goes around them dictate the mood and spirit of their lives, and then there are those who let the enthusiasm, mood, and, and spirit of their lives influence the mood of those around them. In fact, I, I want to tell you a story about one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I was traveling a few years ago, uh, traveling to Minneapolis Airport, and uh, I had a layover or a connection flight, as you would call it. Um, and so I, I was trying to get from my plane that I landed with to the next plane. And, and so I got off the plane, and I turned to go down this hallway and, and get on that connecting flight, and I heard this lady singing. It was one of the most beautiful singing voices I've, I've ever heard. I was like, where in the world is this coming from? And so I looked around the corner, and there was a lady working at a little bitty kiosk. You know, one of those little one little cash register things that had, like, nuts and gum and little cookies, soda drinks, you know, and such. Just not a whole lot of stuff, almost nothing there. But she was singing everything. She's going, have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful day. You know, I can't sing. I can't, I can't justify or, or allow you to understand what I was hearing, uh, but I'll do my best. <laughs> I was walking by, and, and, and she started singing to me. She said, you there in the black shirt, looking good today, have a wonderful today, you know, and, and I kept on walking because I didn't know if I should be nervous or excited or what, and, but I stopped and I watched her from a distance, you know, kind of like stalking her, but not really stalking her, you know, it's that weird thing, you know, people do just to kind of look and so forth, but anyway, not to sound creepy or anything, but, but uh, she started singing to this young lady that, that happened to walk by. Young lady there in the dress, it looks so good on you. And, and she's singing to everyone as everybody goes by. And so I thought I would just go buy something from her. I just had to get closer to find out more, you know. And so I went and bought some gum. And I said, hey, uh, do you sing all day long? And she said, all day long. <laughs> and I said, okay, do you, you, you don't do this eight hours, do you? And she said, eight hours long. I do it eight hours long. You know, and I was kind of stunned because she's just replying everything in sing, singing voice, you know. And, and, and so I just kind of walked off and, and with my gum and I, that I don't even chew and, 
and I was happy as I could be, but it was, it was kind of a neat, interesting thing. Well, two days later, I flew back through the same city, and my connecting flight um, was at the same same airport, you know, obviously, and, and but it was at a different terminal, so I had a lot more time, and, and anyway, so I decided to go back and check to see if she was still there, this lady that was singing was still there, and sure enough, as I'm walking up, I can hear her, have a wonderful day, have a wonderful day, and all this kind of stuff, she, she was talking to people, and so I just walked up to her and said, hey, I was wondering if you could talk to me without singing. And she said, I don't know, I'll try my best, you know, in the singing voice. And I said, well, look, can you just talk to me for a minute? Can you do that? And, and she's like, I sure can. I'll, I'll do my best. And, and so um, she was so happy. It was so great. I, I, I said, tell me what's going on. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, why do you do this? And she said, have you noticed how depressed people are in the airports? They're, they're walking around, they nod, and they're grumpy all day long. And so I decided I'm going to bring some joy to everybody in the airport. And I told her she was amazing, and, and we talked for a few more minutes. I found out she was a Christian lady, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And so all of a sudden somebody else came by, and so she bursted out into singing again and, and went, went on her day. And I'm telling you, that kind of attitude goes beyond anything. It's truly extraordinary. In an environment where people are negative, grumpy, she's not letting the environment dictate her mood. She's letting her mood influence the environment. It's not just because she's a happy person, but she had enthusiasm that came from the roof, uh, the root of where truth uh, enthusiasm is born. Okay, it came from a spiritual relationship with a very good God. Remember, she told me she was a Christian, and in fact, if if you're taking notes or or want to write any of this stuff down, I want to show you the word enthusiasm. It actually comes from two Greek words: the Greek word entheos, entheos, e n and then T-H-E-O-S, okay? The E-N-N means in, okay? Theos is where we get our word theology, the study of God, in theos. The root of enthusiasm literally means in God, or it means filled with God. Anytime from, from now on when you think of enthusiastic, what you're saying is this is born out of an intimacy with God. Enthusiasm isn't just a mood, it's a spiritual result of an intimate relationship with God. In fact, I want to give you a couple of uh, verses today to set kind of our, our thought um, of understanding what enthusiasm is, okay? The first one um, comes from 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 57 through 58. And let me um, get there and, and read that to you. It says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You see, we work for the Lord, and when we work for the Lord, that transforms something mundane into something meaningful. Uh, it's kind of like years ago, uh, my wife uh, was at work, or she went to go shopping for the day, or just spend some time to, by herself, or whatever. I don't remember what the whole reason was, but uh, my kids and I were at home. We have, I have two little kids, or I had two little kids. I still now they're grown up and married and have their own little kids. Um, but they were young at this time. And, and so we were hanging out, playing, doing all this stuff. And, and we destroyed the house, you know, we literally did. And then I realized, Oh dear Jesus, my wife is coming home and this is unacceptable. And I said, Hey kids, we're going to make the best, cleanest, nicest looking house in the history of the world. And, and we're doing this for mom. Okay. We're, we're doing it for the mom of the house, the mom who had you, the mom who loves you, the mom who changed your diapers. We're doing it for mom. 
Okay. And all of a sudden the kids are like, we're doing this for the mom. We're doing this for the mom. And I mean, I'm telling you, there's a, a five-year-old on the ground scrubbing the floors. Okay. Uh, there's Windex everywhere. There's smell good stuff. We even broke out expensive candles. You know, the ones that, that, that are so expensive, you never really use them. Uh, it's, it's to make the house smell good. And so that's what we did. And so why did we do this? Well, we did it for the mom. And I'm trying to say that the mom, I'm not necessarily trying to say that the mom is the Lord of the house, but, but maybe I am at the same time. But, but when we did it for the mom, it brought meaning to something that was otherwise mundane, right? Okay. Uh, the second verse I want to show you comes from Colossians. Um, it's verse, or chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people rather than for people. Whatever we do, in other words, if, if we're mowing yards or if you're waiting tables or if you're a stay-at-home parent or maybe even a CEO of a company, CEO of a company, I should say, uh, if you're leading your life group or just whatever you do, how do we work? We work with it at all of it with all of our heart, okay? How? As working for the Lord and not for people, as it says. So whatever we do, we work at it with all of our hearts. And we need to understand that enthusiasm is not such so much as a, a product of the environment as much as it is a posture of our hearts, okay? Let me say that again. It's not a product of the environment as much as it is a posture of our hearts. We're talking about enthusiasm. And so I'm doing this for the Lord in a world that, that's rampant with negativity. And so we need to understand that we need to stay positive. Just like the lady in the airport that could have been brought down by everybody's bad mood, but instead she, she says, I'm going to let my enthusiasm be contagious to others. You know, just like Paul, who's in prison, who says, these chains, you, you think I'm chained up and it's a bad thing? They actually put me next to the Roman guards, and I'm in here doing church, and nobody knows it. Uh, it looks like I'm in prison, but I'm a secret agent for the glory of God. And whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, it's not for people. I'm doing this for my good God. And so what I want to do for the, for the rest of our, our podcast today, or, or this episode today, is I want to look at what uh, I'm calling the entheos of David, okay? A guy in the Old Testament, this, this guy in the Old Testament, which a lot of you probably know, David. Uh, and so I want to look at the spiritual enthusiasm of a little boy who grew up to be king. I want to show you when he had spiritual enthusiasm and when he lost it, because maybe some of you that are listening right now, uh, you had it and you've lost it. And just like David, you can get it back again. And so I call it the Entheos of David, all right? So I want to start with a very well-known story about David and a giant named Goliath. And many of you probably have read this, okay? But when we read this, I want you to read it through the lens of spiritual enthusiasm, okay? So if you don't know the backstory, basically the Philistine army was standing against God's people. And a giant named Goliath stands up and says, who will fight me? Basically saying, if someone fights me, and whoever wins between that, that, that battle okay, will win the war. Okay? And all the Israelites were scared to death to do battle with this giant. And then a little shepherd boy, a guy who probably had his little lunch in a lunch pail, kind of walks up and he says what we're going to read here. It comes from 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start with verse 45. It says, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and, the, and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is in Theos. 
This is enthusiasm born not of human strength, but confidence in God. Now, why was a little boy so confident that God would move? How could he be so full of raw spiritual enthusiasm? Where did David's enthusiasm come from? Well, I'm going to argue three things, okay? Um, The first one is that he trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. The second thing is he walked with God daily. And the third one is he worshiped God daily, okay? He trusted God daily, he walked with God daily, and he worshiped God daily. Now, how did he trust God daily? Well, as a little boy, he's taking care of the sheep, right? He was a shepherd. And when a lion or a bear or a wolf comes to attack one of the sheep, what did he do? He charged after that, that animal, and God gave him victory, and he delivered the animal into his hands. And therefore, when he saw a giant... He had already been trusting God, and God had already been faithful. So he said, hey, God did it once. God will do it again. I just happen to believe, because based on current results from my God, that he will be faithful and deliver the enemy into my hands. And so he trusted God daily. Now, he also walked with God daily. And you think about a person who pens the 23rd Psalm. Okay, David pens the 23rd Psalm later in life. This is not someone who went to church for one hour a week and said, check, I did the church thing, okay? This is someone who was an intimate, who was intimate with God, okay? Listen to what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff protect me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. Mercy and goodness surely will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is that? That is a result of spiritual intimacy, of someone who is walking with God, fellowshipping with him daily. And then he also worshiped God daily, right? And so when the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the presence of God, came into town, and if you don't know the story, Scripture says David worshiped God and he danced with all his might, with all of his might. In other words, in a sense, if you read the story, he's going crazy with these dances. I mean, he's doing, doing everything. And, and I don't know necessarily what it would look like, okay? I know there's a lot of de- depictions out there in movies and different stuff, but, but maybe to, to, to kind of relate it to us, maybe it looked like something like a, a Napoleon Dynamite dance or, or you know, something on that lines. I, I mean, he was, he was into it. He probably embarrassed his wife, right? Oh, and she's going, oh, you're humiliating yourself. And, and he didn't care, though. He probably looked like a some of you at some football games or a basketball game or foot, you know, baseball game or whatever. He was doing this for God because he was so moved by the presence of God. So why did he have such enthusiasm? Well, because he trusted God. He walked with God and he worshiped God. In fact, some of you, you have spiritual enthusiasm just like that. You do. Why? Because you're walking with God. You're trusting God. Because you prayed a prayer and God answered your prayer. Because you invited someone to church and you can already sense God and doing something in in their lives. And maybe you're reading God's word, okay, and and it speaks to you. Because maybe you're listening to a song on the radio and the song was just for you, okay? And so you came prepared. And when you're like that, what happens? You are in theos. God is in you. He's working. You've got a current testimony of what God is doing. You're not living on something from five years ago. You're enthusiastic. Why? Because you're trusting God today. You're walking intimately with him today. You're worshiping him today. Okay. And the tragedy, though, is that this didn't last forever in David's life. Okay. He was very, very enthusiastic, spiritually charged at one point in his life, but as he grew older, 
evidently the spiritual fire started to cool. And so I'm going to show you two different seasons of David's life and then show you the good news at the end, okay? Two seasons of David's life. We will look at him as a kid and we will look at him as a king, okay? And so we're going to start with him as a kid. And I want to show you David running into battle. So we're going to continue in our story in 1 Samuel 17. This time we're on verse 48. It says, And Goliath moved closer to attack. David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. To me, now that's that's really cool. I, you know, I just I got to tell you, that's how detailed the Bible is. Take a look at, listen to that. Go back and read that, okay? Uh, because it read, it sank into his head. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, if you ever read that story before, but to me, that's really cool. It sank into his head. Picture that. It's kind of like a horror picture where it like literally comes in. If it's sunk in his head, it's there's got to be blood and all that stuff. And I know I'm sick and everything, but I just wanted to point out because it sank into his head, okay? And Goliath stumbles and fell face to the ground. And David's like, who are you to get, come against God? against my God. And David's like, charge after him, right? Goes charging after him. Well, today, everyone will know that God reigns over Israel is what he's showing out. That is in Theos, right? It's born out of an intimacy with God. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go all the way to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And suddenly, David's not a kid anymore, okay? Life is more comfortable, and he's now the king, and let's look at verse 1, 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. Here's what it says. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of the palace and he looked out over the city. He noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Now, no one ever said, hey, what was that lady doing on the roof, taking a shower, a bath, you know? Well, I'm going to say that. What was she doing up on the house? Because David leans over and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't you see if, if somebody needs to go and minister to this lady, okay? No, no, no. That's not what he said. I made that up. But he sends, what he does is he actually sends somebody to go get her. And one thing led to another. When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. He thought something he wasn't supposed to think. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. He lost something he wasn't supposed to lose. And so when did it start? When he wasn't where he's supposed to be. And why was he not there? Okay. Well, I want to show you the contrast of what's happening. You can, you can uh, write this down if you want to, but as a kid with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God. He was like charge as a kid, right? He ran into battle to serve his God. As a king with apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. Okay, as a kid with enthusiasm, ran into battle, and as with apathy, David, as an adult, walked on the roof to serve his comfort. Question, how did a man with so much enthusiasm as a kid lose it as a king? Think about it. How did he lose the enthusiasm? I would argue that he took his eyes off of his calling and he put it on his comfort. He took his eyes off the internal calling, and he put it on some temporary comfort when he should have been at war, right? Another question I want to raise is this, those of you that are listening. Which of those two categories best represents you? 
I want you to be serious and honest with yourself. Do you, those of you who are Jesus followers, are you charging into the spiritual battle with enthusiasm, in theos, filled with God, where we're, we're, we're standing against the enemy, where we're on the attack, we're lifting the high, the name of Jesus, we, we are witnessing everywhere we go, we're filled with the Spirit. You wake up every day with a divine purpose. Everything I do is for the glory of God. Everywhere I go, I do it for the glory of God. I work enthusiastically, not for myself, not for my name, not for my comfort. I do it for the glory of God. Everything in me wants to bring glory to his name. Are you like that? Or have you slipped into a place where life is more about you? I want what I want. I want to be comfortable. Hey, I know I should be serving, but I'd rather walk around on the roof of my palace I'd rather be comfortable. I know I probably should be giving something to somebody, to my church, to somebody in need, but somebody else can't do that. You know, somebody else can do that. I I know I'm supposed to worship of a, worship a God that is probably something that God deserves, right? But but you know, it's the weekend, and I and I just can't quite get around to church. I mean, I know someone serves my kids every single week, and I'm happy for them. But the thought of actually me taking my time to do something like that, somebody else can do that. I know that I could probably pray for some things that are pretty important, and I actually do believe in the power of prayer, and I used to pray a lot, but life's busy. I mean, think about it. I've got teenagers and stuff going on, right? And then I've got my own issues going on right now. Are you in theos, or are you more comfortable? How does a kid who attacks a giant in the name of the Lord God end up not going into battle? He stopped focusing enthusiastically on his calling and settled into a living um, for his own comfort. Tragically, it's a very accurate picture of a lot of people in the church today. Jesus said this to the church in Ephesus in, in Revelation 2, 4 through 5. He said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Another version says, you've forsaken your first love. Some of you are like this. There was a time in your life where you were enthusiastic about God, and now you're not so much anymore. It's almost like you've been comfortable with the, well, yeah, yeah, I know I was saved and blah, 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 but not, now I'm going to do my life thing. I'm just going to do my own thing. Or, hey, yeah, 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 I know, whatever, that's for somebody else, that'll pass too, you know, you'll, you'll get over it, okay? Jesus said this, you've lost your first love. And then he says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And so I wonder how many people that are listening to this podcast today would actually say yes I was an entheos at one time. I was filled with the Spirit of God and purpose. But you know what? I'm not so sure right now. I actually have fallen in a significant way. And if you can say that, you're probably asking yourself, well, what do you do now? Well, Jesus said you go back and you do what you used to do. You repent and you do the things you did at first. Well, what did you do when you had enthusiasm? Well, let me tell you what you did. You trusted God daily. You walked with God daily. You worshiped God daily. And that's what you did. And guess what you saw? You saw God actively involved in your life daily. You saw his goodness. And this is what David came to the point and recognized and lost this when the prophet Nathan confronted him, said, let me tell you a story about a rich guy who took someone else's land, a poor guy's land, and then killed him. And David said, that's horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. That guy should die. And Nathan said, that's you, David. That's what you did. And David fell apart, and he recognized he had fallen. In Psalm 51, you can read the whole psalm later, um, but it's, in a, it's a prayer of repentance, okay? It, it, repent and do the things you did at first. And David cries out to God, and in Psalm 51, he says, this is part of it. He says, God, create in me a pure heart, O God, a renew and steadfast spirit in me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why are you so enthusiastic? Why are you like this? Well, listen to me. Because Jesus saved my soul. Restore to me the joy of recognizing I do not deserve to be right with God. God is worthy of my whole life. Whatever I do, I do it unto the Lord. I work enthusiastically, not for myself, but unto my God. Think about what a little entheos could do to your life. What could a little entheos do to your life? There are two types of people. There are those who let their environment dictate their enthusiasm, and then there are those who let their enthusiasm dictate their environment. And I don't know for sure, but this environment might be about to change at some point. I believe that because I'm feeling a little bit of entheos. Because someone listening on this podcast is going to recognize when you walk into your home, you can let the house set the tone or you can set the tone. You can walk up to your wife and say, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. I love you and give her a big old kiss. And the first time you do that, she's going to say, have you been drinking? <laughs> okay. But then when you do it the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, and something's going to start happening in your marriage. There's going to be something different when you go into the job that you don't necessarily love, Right. But you say, you know what? I'm not doing this for a paycheck. I'm not going to do this for a boss. I'm doing it for my Lord God. I'm leaving it all in the field today. And so when I get home, I'm going to put my head down on the pillow and say, I glorified God in what I did today. So what do you do? You recognize, oh my gosh, I'm taking this whole Christianity thing for granted. All right? Then listen, if the Son of God died for our sins, then our only reasonable response is to give our whole lives back to him. That's why we work enthusiastically, not for ourselves, we do it for the Lord. So whatever you do, wherever you are, whatever's on your agenda, you work at it with all your heart to glorify God in all that you do. Because there are two types of people in this world. There are those who let their environment influence their enthusiasm, and those who let the enthusiasm influence their environment. You see, enthusiasm is not a product of how we feel. It's a posture of our heart, knowing who God is. It's not something we work up. It's born out of an intimacy with God. Enthusiasm, entheos, filled with God. I'm enthusiastic, and I'm going to stay positive, and I hope you will too. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another adventure podcast. I hope you enjoyed it today. I hope you'll join us as we wrap up next week on our series of Stay Positive with week number five. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.